Like John le Carre's Bonn, Marburg is a small town in Germany. In 1967, workers in Marburg's industrial plant started to fall ill. They had been exposed to tissues of infected monkeys and had caught a virus that causes hemorrhagic fever. Today we call it Marburg virus. Marburg is a highly contagious and highly dangerous disease. Like something from a John le Carre novel, it also has potential as a bioweapon, so we must remain vigilant. To help us find out more, I'm delighted that we have Lisa Babel on the line. Lisa is an instructor at Harvard Medical School and assistant in medicine at Massachusetts General Hospital, and also conducts research in infectious diseases and critical care medicine. So, Lisa, you're very welcome. Could we start by um, telling us what exactly is Marburg disease? Thank you very much, Kieran. It's a pleasure to be here today. Marburg virus infection is part of the group of conditions known as viral hemorrhagic fevers. It's a filovirus, very similar in nature to Ebola virus. So I think it's best conceptualized in the ways that we think about Ebola virus. Even though it's called a viral hemorrhagic fever, in many ways, Marburg disease is really a gastrointestinal illness uh, characterized by massive fluid loss. And often in patients with severe disease, there is a heavy component of bleeding. So how would you typically recognize an affected patient? Well, I think the biggest clues to detecting Marburg virus disease are geography and potential exposure. And I think about it often when I consider someone who's come from an area of the world where we think of Marburg virus as being endemic, which is Central Africa especially, but really throughout the Sub-Saharan African continent, or has been exposed to someone coming from those areas, generally has a fever. And of course, today in the day of uh, the age of bioterrorism, we have to consider it really in any large outbreak where there's fever some bleeding present, and massive gastrointestinal losses. So those are some of the major tips. Generally, you'd want to see someone who has contact uh, with someone else with Marburg virus or to a virus endemic area within the previous 21 days, fever greater than about 37.5 degrees Celsius or 99.5 degrees Fahrenheit. Often people present with myalgias, fatigue, Diarrhea is extremely common. Nausea and vomiting is also very common, although less so than diarrhea, and often headache. So you can see that many of these symptoms are actually quite nonspecific and could cross over with many other diseases, especially those that are endemic to these regions. Okay, thank you. And what tests would you request to confirm the disease? Well, the most common test that's used to confirm Marburg virus disease these days is an RT-PCR, which stands for reverse transcriptase polymerase chain reaction. And that's a test that's done on the blood of a suspected infected patient. So it needs a blood test to be confirmed. You should also test for malaria and do an electrolyte panel, test serum creatinine, and urea, blood lactate, if you have access to those tests, and perform an ABG in certain circumstances. That's an arterial blood gas when you have the option. But the only test that's commonly used to confirm the disease is the RT-PCR, and occasionally uh, ELISA test, looking at the antibodies produced in response, is used as a secondary test. Okay, thank you. And once the diagnosis is made, I wonder what is the mainstay of treatment? Well, unfortunately, there's no curative therapy for Marburg virus disease. So the mainstay of care is supportive care. And the largest part of that is really 
fluid supplementation, patients with Marburg virus disease become extremely dehydrated very quickly. It's not uncommon that a patient will need upwards of 5 to 10 liters of fluids a day. In most cases, this means oral rehydration because there's not often IV access to give the patient IV fluids. And there's also obviously some hazards in placing an IV in these patients because of the risk of nosocomial infection, accidental needle stick, um, those kinds of things. So supportive care really is the best therapy that we have. And it may be that in the months and years to come, we'll gain some benefit from all of the Ebola research that's being done. And some of those therapies may actually have a role in Marburg virus as well. And what isolation measures should you take on on, on diagnosing a patient? Well, it depends a little bit on the situation. But if a diagnosis is made and you're certain that this person has Marburg virus disease, uh, very um, extreme measures of isolation are usually warranted. So the the patient needs to be isolated away from anyone else who's not a Marburg virus suspect. And the people who go to see that patient, uh, care providers, people who clean the wards, basically anyone who's entering that physical area should be wearing full PPE, which is personal protective equipment. And those are pretty strict regulations for people suspected of Marburg virus disease. And I'm guessing as a result of all of this, you need to report the disease. Is that correct? You do need to report the disease. And the circumstances around uh, reporting vary a little bit from area to area, depending on where you are. But for the most part, it's a local public health authority that should be notified. And if you're having trouble reaching those people, there are generally emergency numbers available for the World Health Organization, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention in the United States, that can also be of some use. Okay, great. Thank you. And back to diagnosis and differential diagnosis. What are the common Mm -hmm. differentials of of Marburg virus? Well, the common differentials include all of the other viral hemorrhagic fevers. And I think in the area in which Marburg virus generally lives, Ebola virus disease is one of the major um, things on the differential. High on the differential are also more or routine diseases like malaria, occasionally salmonella and other gastrointestinal pathogens, other viral hemorrhagic fevers should also be on the list. So it depends a little bit on the geography, but those are some of the main things on the differential. Okay, great. Thank you. And what are the common pitfalls in the diagnosis uh, of this disease, would you say? I think the common pitfalls are really not thinking about the disease on the differential. Because the pattern of expression of the disease can vary somewhat, and because there's so many overlapping syndromes that could also be considered when thinking about Marburg virus disease, I think the biggest pitfall is not to think about it at all. And I think training in the regions in which Marburg is endemic is really focused on disease recognition and considering that in the differential of anyone who presents with a severe diarrheal illness, nausea, vomiting, headache, and maybe with some bleeding, diathesis as well. Okay, great. Thank you. And on to patients. What do patients typically want to know and, and, or, or sometimes their families? And what advice should you give them? Well, I imagine that most patients would want to know how severe their disease is, what their chances of survival, what is the chance that their Marburg virus disease will have a lingering effect after they recover if they survive, and how likely they are to pass it on to someone else. And I think those are questions families would also probably be interested in. Yes, yeah, sure. And what is the typical 
prognosis? Is there an average or typical prognosis? Well, I'd have to say that with all of the Marburg virus outbreaks that have been reported in the past um, 50 to 70 years, the survival has really varied. Anywhere between about 25% and 90% of patients will die from the disease. So that makes it hard to give an individual prognosis based on the outbreak. A lot of it depends on the setting in which it occurs, how quickly it's recognized, and how quickly measures can be employed to provide that supportive care that we talked about. So I think it depends a lot on the setting in which you're in and what you have to offer the patient in terms of supportive care. Okay, great. Thank you. And what about questions by doctors? What other questions do you typically get asked about this disease by doctors? I think doctors really want to know how to recognize it and differentiate it from the other potentially overlapping syndromes that might look a lot like Marburg. So they ask me that question. And as I said before, it's a little bit hard sometimes to distinguish it, which is where you have to have Marburg somewhere on the differential in these types of circumstances that we discussed, send the testing early and discuss it with someone else who's had some experience and usually local health officials, someone at the CDC or the WHO would be willing to talk through with you if you have a suspected case of Marburg or another viral hemorrhagic fever and you're trying to decide what to do. I think in those circumstances, the doctors seeing these patients are wise to take as many isolation measures as they can early on to think about the disease and to start hydration very early to avoid those pitfalls that we discussed. Okay, thank you. And if you had one final single piece of advice to doctors looking after somebody with Marburg virus or who suspected they had a patient with Marburg virus, what advice would that be? I think my single piece of advice would really be to think about it and really think about it strongly and to look back on it as if you were in the future and thinking about what other people might say about this circumstance and whether or not you should have considered it seriously and isolated the patient. I would also say never to lose hope in treating these patients. I know that there can be a very high mortality rate, but it's worth considering that aggressive care really can decrease mortality and save lives. Okay, thank you very much, Lisa, and thanks to you all for listening. We hope that this has been helpful, and we hope that you will be able to put what you've learned into action to better recognise, report, and refer affected patients. If you want to find out more, click the link in the podcast to sign into BMJ Best Practice and look at the content on Marburg virus. Thank you once again. And if you enjoyed this podcast please remember to subscribe and rate us on iTunes.